Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is a Dude Studios production. And hey, I'm the Dude. Hey, bartender, pass me a drink. Welcome back to Hey, Bartender Podcast. I am your bartender for the evening. I'm the Dude. Or you can call me Anthony. Either way works for me. Uh, if you didn't know my name, just, hey, dude, or hey, bartender, that that always got my attention, as long as you were nice about it. Otherwise, I'll just flat out ignore you. Yelling my name across the bar never really worked for me, or, and it won't work for you either. But that's just me, ladies and gentlemen. I was one of those kind of bartenders that, you know, if I was having a bad night, yeah, uh, anybody who even slightly annoyed me got really crappy service, and I mean golden medal Phelps type of uh, ig- uh, ignored. You know, nobody could ignore somebody better than me. But anyway, uh, welcome back to Hey Bartender Podcast. Like I was saying, um, thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. If Just remember, people, if you want to be on Hey Bartender Podcast or you just have a question for the bartender, that would be me. Just email me, dude, at heybartenderpodcast.com, and we'll talk about it on the show. And you know, see what we can uh, do about life in general. You know, nothing really specific. I can't really uh, answer your uh, questions like, should I marry this person? Should I tell my family about this? You know, things like that are really up to you. That's just a generic answer. Anyway, let's get this show started here. You know, every episode I got to start off with a drink special. You know, I found out this thing on Liquor.com. You know, uh, James Bond, probably the most famous martini drinker ever. You see him uh, go up to the bartender or somebody asks for his drink or Vulcan martini, shaken, not stirred. Boy, that that was the worst Shatner impression I've ever heard. Anyway, uh, he'd always ask for a martini. And so, you know, we just automatically assume that's what he drank. And so, uh, to feel cool, you know, you ask for a martini. And the way I've always made martinis is just vodka, vermouth, dry vermouth. Remember that. Um, talking to one of my old friends specifically. And uh, garnish it with an olive. That typically was uh, what I always assumed a martini was. But I was doing a little bit of uh, accidental research. I just got curious all of a sudden. Uh, I found out on liquor.com that what James Bond in the original books written by Ian Fleming, not in the movies, uh, James Bond would actually be drinking a uh, cocktail by the name of Vesper, also known as the Vesper Martini. Now, the Vesper Martini ordered by James Bond in his first appearance in the book Casino Royale. Uh, This was back in 1953. Uh, 
it was made a little bit differently than what I had grown up to know and love about James Bond. When uh, it says here in liquor.com, when Bond orders the Vesper, it comes with strict instructions that must be followed by any who make it. Three measures of Gordon's, one of vodka, half a measure of Kinalilit. Shake it very well until it's ice cold and then add a large slice of lemon peel. Got it? And so that was uh, always, that that was new information for me. I didn't know that that's what he was uh, actually drinking. I mean, maybe in the movies they just made it very easy because I do remember seeing up until Daniel Craig was drinking uh, uh, drinking the famous martini. And they ask him, is shaking on a stud soon? Do I look like I give a damn? But usually you see uh, Sean Connery, Roger Moore, uh, uh, all the other Bonds, and they would just be drinking a simple martini that had an olive in it. So I just always flat out assumed that it was a just vodka, dry vermouth, olive, shake, there you go. But according to uh, what liquor.com said about it, uh, Ian Fleming actually wrote it a little bit differently. And so, you know, it's a mixture of gin and vodka together garnished with a little slice of lemon. Or, and I remember seeing Daniel Craig drinking it and I thought, oh, wow, it, that he, they, put a, they put a little bit of uh, lemon brine in there i was uh is he drinking a gimlet or something like that that because that changes the whole story and people you know pop culture junkies they hate it when their stories get changed for no reason so anyway that's uh the drink we're going to talk about today but there it also goes along with the theme of the thing that i that popped into my head that uh is pretty uh important in a lot of bars now i have no idea uh which states allow gambling in their bars. When I bartended in Oregon, we were allowed video poker machines and uh, later slot machines uh, up to, what was it, like seven machines, I think it was, in any establishment. And, of course, when you've got gambling machines, you've got compulsive gamblers. Now, if there, if I have any listeners in Vegas right now, this is old hat to you guys. And I uh, probably don't have the first clue of the real uh, problem gambling drinking thing that goes on in a casino, whether it's in Vegas or uh, Reno or any of the Indian reservations. I probably don't know the first thing since, you know, I only handled five, uh, five to seven machines and I served drinks and food to everybody else. But there were a handful of people uh, when I was bartending in Oregon that did develop a severe gambling problem. Now, I'll tell you a few stories here. One first, one of the stories that pops into my head right away, there was this guy, he came into my bar. Uh, I think I only saw him maybe two or three times. Uh, one time he came in, he was playing one of the, uh, video poker machines and he was doing that double up thing. No, what matter what hand he got, He'd hit the double up feature and then it was a uh, choice between, you know, a high low card. You had two cards on the screen and you had to pick uh, pick the higher card. And uh, this guy 
would double up to the point where the machine said, okay, stop, which was usually around $1,250. And then it would automatically shoot them out a ticket and say, you're done. Um, So, well, actually, no, it it stopped at $600. But if you maxed out the uh, on the machine at 1250, it would automatically shoot you out a ticket and said, you're done. But this guy came in and one night he completely cleaned up. He must've hit that 1250 mark twice And being a small bar with only five machines, we had a limited amount of money that we had inside the registers. So paying him off when when he hit that many times was often a little bit difficult because sometimes I'd have to, uh, uh, I'd uh, completely run through all the money that's in my till then say, okay, I'm screwed. So I got to start opening up the poker machines, take the money out of there. And it's only happened a couple times where I sat back and said, I don't have the money. I got to call my boss to get him out here to cut you a check because I don't have that in my lottery till. This guy came in and he did really well. He was cleaning up. But uh, the next time I saw him, I was a little pessimistic for the guy. It, uh, It happens. First thing he does is he comes into the bar and goes over to the ATM machine and cashes out uh, however much money he decided to gamble at that point. Uh, odds are he probably took out the maximum that he could for the day. And he goes over to the poker machine and manages to do the double up thing to the point where he hits $1,250, t- uh, spits out a ticket, and he gives it to me and I cash him out. And my server, she comes over to me and she goes, oh, my God, that guy is doing really well again. Uh, what are we going to what are we going to do if we can't pay him out? And I looked at her and I said, well, typically, if we can't do that, I have to call up, uh, call up Brad, the owner, and uh, tell him to get his butt over here with a checkbook because uh, I'm not able to pay him out. Because according to Oregon Lottery Law, I um, we have to be able to pay out every single ticket that gets presented to us. But I said, don't worry about it. From what I'm, I've seen so far, I don't think he's going to last long tonight. And he was stayed at that poker machine, kept doing the double up thing, double up, double up, double up. And then, you know, sometimes he'd win and the thing would automatically uh, cash him out in the double up feature. And sometimes he would screw up the double up or lose on the double up feature and keep playing. But every time he got a winning hand, he would try to double it up. And the sad thing I saw about that was that after, oh, maybe half hour to an hour, maybe after I cashed out the $1,250 that he got off that machine, I saw him go back to the ATM, Uh, probably cashed out on a, uh, got some cash off a credit card or something like that. And then a half hour after that, he disappeared. I never saw him again. So no, the t- I don't know the telltale signs of a gambling problem other than watching a person win a large amount of cash and then hit the ATM. It, it's just, uh, it's kind of scary, actually, when you see him like that. Now, I cannot plead that I'm a saint or gambling's bad because, shit, I like gambling. I like going to Vegas. I've tried to talk myself out of playing uh, video poker machines and bars because... Uh, it's too easy. It's too easily accessible. And, uh, and truth being told, 
uh, it was my way to avoid being social. I was even one of those guys at one time that uh, would spend his paycheck the day he got it on video poker just because, you know, friends said, hey, let's go out. And then I'd get bored with the conversation and think, ah, I was just going to play video poker for a little while. I managed to talk myself out of it because it ruined a relationship and it uh, I started realizing that, oh, wait, I forgot to make last month's car payment. Uh, shit. So I I gave it gave up gambling at bars. I didn't want to do it anymore. So, uh, but I did treat myself every once in a while to go to uh, Indian, Indian Casino every once in a while or even just save all my money to go to Vegas. So uh, that was my way of trying to stop the whole problem gambling thing. And uh, it seems to have worked out for me good so far. But right now I'm in Texas. They don't have uh, video gambling in any of the establishments that I've been to, at least. So that makes things a lot easier. But the one big thing that came to the compulsive gambler that was really tough for me is when my friends would show problems with uh, gambling. And I had two friends. One friend, he had the same problem that I had. He basically, as soon as he'd get his paycheck or as soon as he got some money in his hand, he'd head over to the video poker machines. I don't know what his reason for it to been. Could have been uh, that he didn't want to be social like me. Could have been just because he thought it was fun. It could, you know, any reason whatsoever. Everybody's got a different reason. But one day he started realizing that he never had any money. And the reason for it, he was enlightened enough to, uh, to realize the reason for it was that he was always gambling. So he, at first, uh, took himself to Gamblers Anonymous and uh, got a little bit of help that way. Uh, he tried and it worked for a while. But then he went right back to it, and it it was like a freight train how bad it uh, he got back into it. And then one day he came up to me and said, you got to help me. Uh, if you see me sitting at the video poker machine, stop me. Do something. And I said, you know what? I'll do my best for you, but I can't make any promises. And actually, the first thing that I promised him is said, okay, here's the deal. Every time I see you sitting at a video poker machine, I'm going to punch you. We're going to do some negative reinforcement here. And he says, okay, deal. And I said, no, the deal is I can punch you, but you can't do anything back. If you want my help, that's the way it's going to be. Because he was a lot taller than me and I had no idea how strong he was. And so he he agreed to it. And for maybe a couple of weeks, I'd walk in and see him. Uh, on the video poker machine and I just walk up punch him as hard as I could in the shoulder and say hey don't play poker and he goes I know and then that's where I'd leave it after a while I pretty much uh, said come on man what are you doing and he goes I know go ahead and punch me and I said you know what no I, I, I mean punching you obviously isn't working and odds are tomorrow you're going to beat yourself up way more than I ever could for do it sitting here doing this tonight. And he said, yep, you're probably right. And I don't know, honestly, if he continued bartending or continued to play video poker from there, but eventually he did stop. I hadn't seen him play video poker in a a long time. 
And I even addressed it one day and I said, dude, you haven't played video poker in a while. And he goes, yep, I know. I'm uh, uh, finally uh, weaned myself off that. And, you know, I have money now. That's that's huge. And I said, well, congratulations. I'm proud of you. Because uh, I don't normally like to be that person that tries to get people to stop a vice. I, uh, because it puts a lot of burden on me. And I have to make sure that you're not doing something you don't like. Um, sorry, uh, but really you're on your own because there's only so much I can do. And then I become the person that you blame if you fail. Uh, why weren't you there to help me? How, how come you didn't stop me from dropping another $300 into that machine? And you know what? I was busy. I had to work. I had to concentrate on my own life. And... You know, I felt bad for that because you. I want to be there for my friends. That it's just how the world works. But eventually, he did stop. And another good story was a good friend of mine. She had a, a video poker problem, but it was it was kind of the catalyst uh, because one year when we first met, she almost could not lose playing video poker. She, she was playing this game, uh, flush fever, and it seemed like she would constantly be winning. She'd always cash out two, 300 bucks. And, uh, then, uh, but then it came to a point where all of a sudden she wasn't winning anymore. She couldn't win at all. And there were times where I'd see her win, hit a Royal flush, get $600 and keep playing. And watch all that winnings go away. And God, that was hard to watch. She uh, even worked up a tab, a very high tab, you know, asked to borrow money from the bar. And they she, she was a regular customer, so they thought, yeah, why not? And she worked up a tab really high. And we, there was one night where she wanted to play video poker, and she got mad at me because she said... She had spent her whole night's tips and she asked me if she could uh, borrow a couple bucks so she could, uh, you know, play some more. And I said, uh, no, I need my money right now. This is a point where I, I'd quit. And uh, she got mad at me for that. And, uh, you know, it hurt me you know, that she was mad at me for not allowing her to keep playing video poker. But you know, it I needed my money and she needed to stop in my mind. I mean, what are you going to do? And so that was my way of helping her out. It didn't, uh, it completely torpedoed our relationship at the time. We're friends again. Now that doesn't, uh, that's beyond the point, but it, uh, gambling did make things a little bit toxic between us for a little bit, uh, for a little while. She hasn't played video poker in quite some time. Uh, she realized, that she just doesn't have the money for it. She's got her kids to support. She's got her rent to pay. It's, uh, you know, she just finally realized I'm dropping too much money. I really got to stop. Final story, I'll tell you. Uh, this has happened uh, like dozens of different people. You, uh, you don't ever really notice until all of a sudden something drastic happens in their life. Uh I'm standing behind the bar and I see these people. 
I can't uh, uh, narrow it down to one person because I've seen it happen lots of times um, where they're playing video poker and they're doing the double up feature or just playing and playing and playing and playing. And then all of a sudden one day I don't, I don't see them. I don't see them for a week or two at a time. And then one of their coworkers comes in and they ask, have you seen this person? And I said, no, I haven't seen them in weeks. Um, any, what's happening? And they said, well, they were fired recently from the job. And because I guess they were taking money out of the till uh, and playing video poker with it. I thought, oh, my God. And, you know, because everybody, that's a bad thing. When you sit back and realize that you were essentially stealing, uh, but I'm sure they justified it when they were doing it, saying, oh, I'm just going to go play poker, um, make some money, I'll make I'll make this money back, put it right back in the till. Nobody will ever notice. But what happens when you lose it? And you can't just put the money back in the till. And you lose your job. And if you have a family, you lose respect to your family and friends. And But luckily, some of those people uh, that uh, pulled that sort of thing, they had good friends that were there to help. One guy uh, in particular that I can think of, uh, actually, uh, got really low. I'm talking, well, yeah, he started talking as if he was, uh, he was going to commit suicide because he was ashamed. He was broke and he just didn't know what to do anymore. And, uh, I don't know exactly what happened to that. Uh, what happened to that guy? Just all of a sudden he disappeared and I hope he's out there. I hope he's doing well. Uh, but, you know, like I said, I can't sit here and talk shit about gambling because, hell, I enjoy it. But everything in moderation and it's gambling. Every, I mean, everything gambling, uh, alcohol, drinking, uh, food, uh, any vice out there. It, anybody out there who says I don't have a vice, you're fooling yourself. You've got a vice in. You just don't think of it as a vice. You think vices the only vices out there are drugs, alcohol, and gambling. No, there are a lot of other vices out there that can potentially ruin your life, potentially scare away your family, your friends, uh, even work. Uh, I mean, I think pretty much through my 20s, uh, I worked constantly, maybe one day off a week uh, every once in a while. But I worked and worked and worked and worked. And that uh, that was my, uh, you know, that was way of my, making myself feel better, making myself feel like I was worth something. And uh, I didn't mind it. But now I'm older, I get tired, and I realize I've got a house full of stuff. I don't. I didn't take any time sit uh, sit back for relationships. I didn't uh, take any time during my 20s to really do anything fun or exciting. It wasn't until I was in my late 30s that all of a sudden that occurred to me. It's just, I just like, I got to do something. I got to do something fun, exciting. I got to get out of the norm. And that's because uh, work became an addiction for me. Uh, maybe it replaced the fact the fact that I wasn't gambling anymore, or maybe the fact that I was never getting laid. 
it's it's a toss-up really just remember out there people that uh there is help for everything uh, and uh you know they're gamblers anonymous alcoholics anonymous and if you have a friend that needs help you know help um, direct them in, uh, that in that way if you feel like you can and you have the time to help out your friend and uh, go ahead and do it uh, but if you also have a problem just remember that you have friends and family that will help you out and there are services out there that will help you because everybody's got problems every now and then and we just have to take the time to sit back and recognize that it's a problem and we need to do something about it so anyway last call people uh, uh just a short show this wednesday um like to thank you all for tuning in to Hey Bartender Podcast. I appreciate all the support. I just broke 2,500 followers on Facebook. I am so excited about that. So uh, just remember, if you want to f- uh, follow Hey Bartender Podcast, jump on Facebook. You can follow me at Hey Bartender Podcast. Uh, Instagram, you can also follow me at Hey Bartender Podcast. Twitter, I'm on there not as much, but it is Hey Bartender P O one. Uh, I have a website, heybartenderpodcast.com. Or if you want to share a story with me, you want to be on the show or share a drink that you uh, want to share with the masses, uh, go ahead, email me, dude at heybartenderpodcast.com. Until the next show, people, I just want to remind you lots of love, lots of sex, lots of happiness, and don't take any shit from anyone. Good night. Good, I had to blow up.